Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Googling some shit. And I was like, I hope this works. <laughs> Basically. 300 episodes later. Yeah. Still working. I feel like I still can barely hear myself. I don't know if that's my Let's volume. see. I can hear you pretty well. You're number three. I'll turn you up a little bit. Turn it up. Oh, there. Oh, okay. There we go. All right. Well, we're recording. That's yeah. one step. And awesome. we can hear each other. That's step two. I or maybe know. that's step one. Um, so here we are in the San Pedro studio and we are, uh, <laughs> kind of social distancing a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'll sit over here. Sorry. Yeah, we need a We're few far feet away between each other. Uh, but we are excited <laughs> because we have an amazing guest who braved the quarantine to come and hang out with us. Uh, Christina Rice. This might've been is... her last mistake. But... <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't blame us. Might be my last outing. Yeah. Um, of Christina Rice Wellness on Instagram. So you guys can go ahead and follow her and make sure you see all the things that she is amazing at. So, um, for people who maybe are not familiar with your work, you do health coaching, but you also do business coaching or you yeah. do mostly business coaching now for health professionals. For health professionals. Uh, amazing. Yeah. So tell yeah. us a little bit about kind of like how you arrived at that. It's always like a good story around oh, you. Oh man. <laughs> the story, well, short version is grew up standard American diet, sick all the time, really debilitating anxiety and depression, horrible digestive issues. Then hit college, fell into binge eating. And my way out of that was let's get healthy. Like I want to learn how to be healthy. And when I changed my diet, it really helped me stop binging. But then I was like, I need to get to the root of these digestive issues. Um, so was seeing all the different top specialists in LA, no one could figure it out. Um, and then I had a trigger parasitic infection. I didn't know at the time, but that basically made it so that my digestion stopped working and I lost about 50 pounds in three months and was just a really low weight and my organs were shutting down on me and I was trying to see all these doctors and everyone just said I was lying, um, that I was anorexic and I was eating, I mean, I was eating like 10,000 calories a day. Wow. Um, and work, just not digesting anything. Yeah. Nothing was digesting. And I was diving into the research myself. I had to drop out of school. I was at UCLA. Um, and that led me to this whole ancestral health movement and a paleo way of eating and just the importance of gut health. And I was just really learning to be my own advocate. And it just got to the point where I felt like none of these doctors take me seriously. No one's giving me help. So I got to do it myself. Um, and through that journey, that just made me so passionate about, you know, sharing that message with other people to be your own health advocate, but also like there are so many natural ways we can get our bodies back into balance. And, that's what made me want to be a nutritionist. So I, um, I became a health coach in college, started coaching people in college. And then after I graduated, became a nutritional therapy practitioner. And then I was working mostly with people who had autoimmune disease, chronic illness, digestive issues, mm. um, and a lot of disordered eating just because, you know, that's what I had, I had dealt with as well. And then after a while of that, now recently have moved more into coaching other coaches, which has been super rewarding because I feel like I can help more people that way. Yeah. So that's the 
the that's short amazing. version. That's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So like, did you contract a parasite? Did you ever figure out like how that Oh yeah. I mean, happened? it's been, uh, I mean, a lot has happened. So I had, the first thing I found out I had was candida overgrowth. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, was trying to fix that. And I thought, okay, this is it. That wasn't it. Right. It took me about three years to figure out I had, I mean, I had SIBO a few times. I had three parasites. I also had mold illness, heavy metals, toxicity. And this a year ago, I was diagnosed with Lyme. Um, wow. So it was just kind of thing after thing. And so it's taken this long, like five years now to figure out that. I mean, really Lyme's at the, ro- the root of it, right? And when you have Lyme and mold illness, you're going to keep getting uh, different types of bacterial overgrowths. So it, it was a journey to figure out what happened, but it was that that one parasitic infection like that triggered it for sure. I mean, I was, I was in San Diego on spring break and had some froyo and that night just got violently ill and was, was so ill for the next week. Like could not get out of bed, could not function. And then after that, it was like my digestion had just stopped working. I feel like I'm seeing these, these kind of things you're saying over and over Mm -hmm. and over online, people, um, just struggling, going to so many specialists, so many doctors, not getting any answers. Um, and then coming up with things like SIBO and mold mm-hmm. infections and Lyme. And I've seen that a lot lately too. Why do you think this is happening so often? Like, do you have any, cause I'm sure people started coming to you with these same things yeah. and have you found any common threads of like where these were starting or what types of people they're going to? Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, food supply, right. Mm-hmm. Like, and just the way our food is now. And also if you grow up on a standard American diet, that's really going to wreak havoc on your gut. Um, so that's one thing, but I think stress is, is another big thing, uh, for a lot of people it's really rooted in stress. I mean, stress is the main cause of intestinal permeability and EMFs, which a lot of people don't talk about. Right. But it's just everywhere. 5G. What what are EMFs? Um, Oh, the right. uh, Electromagnetic. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, So, so like 5G, you know, all of this is affecting our gut, our stress levels, and we don't realize it on a conscious level. And so I really think that's, that's a big reason. Right. Um, and, but I think, a lot of these infections, the root cause is something deeper. Like mold is really common. Mm -hmm. And most people don't realize, you know, you can't just look at a building and know if it's moldy, Mm -hmm. even if the building's new, it could have mold in it. Um, so I think there's still a lot that's unknown to be honest, which was what makes it difficult. And I, I usually work in my experience, I worked with really complicated cases just because people hear my story and they think, Oh, right. So I've attracted that kind of client. And so a lot of it is like emotional, energetic work. And we're like, it's just getting back to the basics a lot of times because people come to me on literally like 300 supplements and like they've done every diet out there. And I'm like, Oh my God, we need to peel it back. You're so stressed out, right? You're so stressed out. You need to calm the fuck down. (laughs) Like, um, so and that gets people honestly better results. Yeah. Because that's it, so crazy because yeah. we just tend to think like a supplement, like, oh, like, or even food, like a, yeah. doing a diet is like kind of like a band aid. Yeah. When you're like, okay, it's actually none of that stuff. It's like what's in here. Yeah. So, what's the first thing that you do with someone who comes to you who's a complicated case, maybe similar to yours? Well, I mean, off of what you said, sometimes it is. Sometimes it really is as simple as a supplement or changing the diet. That's just not usually the type of client I attract, right? I, I mean, I wish it was simpler, but. For most people who come to me, it's like really figuring out their history and when it started and when the trigger was and also what they've done so far, because it kind of shocks me how many people come to me and they've seen all these functional medicine doctors. I've been to Mexico and done these weird treatments and, you know, I've been, I've flown (laughs) Mm -hmm. to New York, I'm everywhere. Right. And then I ask them like what steps they've taken and people have never literally, like literally just never done a leaky gut protocol, which Mm -hmm. is so freaking basic. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like take glutamine, right? Some yeah. people literally haven't or aren't taking digestive enzymes. And mm. I'm like, can we just like go back to basics for a second? So for a lot of people, it's that simple. And then figuring out, I mean, it depends on what diet they're on. And it's like, is this causing you stress or not? And is this really serving you? And I think so many functional medicine doctors and just people in this space are so aligned with one way of eating and it just screws over all of their clients. Because if you're that narrow-minded, like, look, not everybody should be on the same diet, right? And most people aren't that tapped into bioindividuality, even though they like to say they are, but it's like people lean low carb or uh, high carb or vegan or keto or carnivore, like people lean in a certain direction. And I know this from my own experience, like, you know, any doctor I go to before I even get there, I know what they're going to recommend. And I'm always right. Right. Like, and I realized this after seeing so many different people, like I'm getting the same meal plan over and over again. I'm like, this isn't why I came to you. Right. So, and I think a lot of people just need to be heard. Right. They have so much stored trauma, like, and just shit they need to get out. And a lot of people just need open space to talk about what they're going through, like what they've been through and to feel seen and heard. And I think that's why people get re- have gotten really good results with me because I can create that space because I get it, Yeah. right? And it's like, just word vomit. Like, it's open, yeah. right? Yeah. And for some people, that alone just relieves their stress so much. And then we can really get to the root of, like, you know, what's going on here. And, like, you know, I just think it's really important to, like, look at the physical body, but the emotional body, the energetic body as well, and all of that integrates. So huge. I think that may be one of the big pieces that's missing in just medical, mm-hmm. right? And the listening. I feel like you come into a doctor, you tell them some things and they're not really listening. And I think, you know, to your point, like if your clients, you're listening to them, sometimes you pick up on something that they maybe at the doctor's office, they're rushed and they missed a piece. And that piece is like the piece that's needed to find, Mm -hmm. you know, what's next. So that's really big. And I know when we were talking with Dan about, you know, connection-based coaching, it's just really like listening to your clients Mm -hmm. and that. So then when you're feeling like so helpless, like a lot of these people do, it's just like, you are like there, I've tried everything or, you know, and one of the things I want to ask you, and I saw like one of your most recent post was about kind of like taking ownership versus feeling at the mercy of all of these things, mm-hmm. right? Like it's not your fault that you got a parasite. It's yeah. not your fault that you got a contracted limes. Like it's not your fault. And so I think there's a lot of feeling of injustice mm-hmm. in like what, you know, you're helping people with. So how do you help people be like, cool, it's not your fault, but it also is now your responsibility to figure this out. Well, I think I'm big on victim mentality, right? Like I do not want, like people need to get out of the victim mindset. And I feel like everybody, this happened to me, like it's poor me, poor me, poor me. And they go to every doctor and every, like to me, and they're like, can you help me? Can you, I'm like, I'm not going to save you, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to create space for you to figure out what's going to work for you, right? Like you tell me, like I'll guide you and I'll coach you, but my job isn't to save you. And I think so many people have given their, their power away. And this is something that, I mean, I hate, okay. You can go there. We can go there. I hate to talk poorly. Okay. Like the medical medium, like really, it makes me upset when he says that he, he, he's very adamant that you shouldn't tell people that their sickness is because of the way they're thinking. And I'm like, fuck no, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Right. Like, yeah, it's not, 
it's not in your head. It's happening, but we can think ourselves into sickness. Like I've seen yeah. this so many times before. Yeah. And if I can, if I can rewire someone's brain so they aren't attached to their illness and they're not like, this is my identity, they get better. Mm-hmm. Right? Like our brains are very powerful. I mean, there are studies like with exercise, people visualizing exercise, like, and really feeling that. It's not just like, okay, I'm imagining myself <laughs> workout. It's like, I'm feeling it in my body. Like you can grow muscle, right? The brain yeah. is super powerful. And so I think it actually gives people power back to be like you have so much control over your health with your brain right like and so if we can flip you out of that mindset of like this is happening to me happening to me no it's happening for you why like what are you meant to learn through this Mm, process like I really believe that you know my when I got so sick it was it was for me like I wouldn't have found my purpose had I not gone through that and I've learned so much and grew through so much through that and had to become so strong for myself and for me I wasn't really able to get better until I realized like, Hey, no, I got to do this myself. And it's not like feeling sorry for myself. It's like, this is a really empowering moment for me, an opportunity for me to stand up for myself. Right. So I think it's about flipping that mindset for people because living like you're sick and thinking like you're sick is going to keep you sick. Yeah. What parallels, what parallels do you find in working with clients who are sick coming to you and then working with coaches? Oh, same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I, it's just bullshit stories in everyone's heads. You know, it's like coaching people with businesses, literally just getting them out of imposter syndrome, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you're, you're telling yourself you can't do it. You're telling yourself not good enough. You don't know enough. You can't make that much money. It's not possible. I can't make this much money as a coach. I'm like, that's literally, yeah. If you with that attitude, you can't, <laughs> sure. right? Like, and it's the same thing with, with being sick, it's like you're telling yourself, I'm sick, nothing's ever going to get me better. I've been seeing so many doctors, nothing's going to work. And when you have that subconscious belief, like, of course, it's going to come up, right? And I'm like big into manifestation. Like, it's all wrapped into the same thing. And it's like, do you believe you're worthy? Do you believe you're worthy of healing? Do you believe you're worthy of money? Right? And it's like getting to the root of, of that issue because a lot of people just don't feel worthy or a lot of people don't know what their identity would be without that sickness or yeah. without being in this job where they're struggling. People don't even know what that feels like. Right. And it's yeah. like, how do you, how do you teach someone to feel abundance? Right. Whether that be with health or wealth, like it's about cultivating that feeling, getting them to step into that so that they can attract that into their lives. It's almost like we're attached to our belief system. Cause it's like a safety net, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, as long as I have like at least I'd rather a familiar misery mm-hmm. than like the uncertainty of like quitting this job and trying this thing over here. So how do you get people like, what would be the first step? Someone comes to you and they're like, I'm in a job I hate. I'm so fucking miserable. And they're going to bring that kind of like scarcity into their mm-hmm. online business or they want to do something. They see what you've done mm-hmm. and they're like, how have you done this? What's the first step that you have people do? Well, I, I mean, I focus a lot on money mindset, right? So it's like, okay, what did you learn from your father about money? What did you learn from your mother about money? And I think just that exercise alone can be very illuminating for people. Just realizing like what stories was I told about money from my parents and then like figuring out like what's truth and what's not, right? Um, And I think getting people even, especially with women, just to talk about money. Like I'll be like, how much money do you want to make this year? And they're like, $80,000. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, no, no, no. (laughs) Like triple that. Right. Like people just lowball themselves all the time. And so I think first of all, figuring out the money story and finding evidence opposite, right? Like I have to work really hard to make money. And it's like, really? Because the most money I made last year was when I wasn't doing that much. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think just figuring out what those limiting beliefs are and then finding evidence completely opposite. And it's, 
a lot of people feel like it's woo-woo to go there. I'm like, no, it's very systematic. What's the belief? What's the truth? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's so true. And, and so much of that we do pick up from our parents. And I love that you said that people don't even like talking about money. Because mm-hmm. I don't know. I think once you get into entrepreneurship you're kind of like, it's just clinical, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm, I talk about money all the time to people who are in the industry. I'm like, Oh, and this launch, I made this much. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it's not, be, not like, I'm not bragging. It's literally just like this launch went this well yeah. or this not well, you know? So I think for people who grew up and thinking it's taboo to talk about how much you make or what your salary is, mm-hmm. that's like a, that, I feel like that's a generational thing. Yeah. I feel like now it's like, we don't have to attach worth to that. We're like, we all want to get better. What's the solution to getting mm-hmm. better, not like I'm bad if I'm not making six figures or seven figures or whatever that is. Yeah. So how do you just, is it, how do you get people to talk about it more clinically and less? I force them. Emotionally <laughs> charged. Yeah, just force them to talk about it. Yeah. Like practice makes perfect, right? Just get comfortable. You have to get comfortable yeah. with it. And it's like, if it was comfortable, you'd already be doing it, right? Yeah. And then you'd be making more money. Like just, I literally force them to talk about it. And I think also just vibrations are so important. Like, and this is why I'm big on investing in a coach. It's like, you need to vibrational vibrationally be around somebody who makes more money than you if you want to make more money Mm -hmm. like if all of your friends don't make that much money and they're not super motivated like good luck right like be around people like I notice I do better in business when I'm hanging out with my friends who make way more money Mm -hmm. right like (laughs) I mean I hate to say it but I think people don't realize how much the people who are around them really affect what they can bring in right and it's when you are it's not only their mindset but just like their actions. So if you are around your family or friends who are in some small town and have small dreams, like you're probably going to have small (laughs) dreams too, or you're going to feel like that's so far out of reach. And like social media has its bullshit, but it's also helpful in the fact that like this is available to you. Like anyone you're jealous of, that's awesome. Like that's available to you. It's possible, right? Like that has proved to your subconscious. It's possible to get there. Um, so I think really just, ex- it's like exposure therapy essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I love so it. Good. I was just at, um, I met a woman this weekend who does hypnotherapy with a lot of mm-hmm. entrepreneurs and she has a lot of money mindset stuff. And I have a money mindset course and talk a lot about this stuff and like rewriting your money story. Mm-hmm. And she was saying the most common Uh, belief that a lot of the people she sees that come in is that they can't make more money than their parents, which I found really interesting because I did a hypnotherapy session maybe in 2013 and it was like a money thing. I was working with a hypnotherapist and that's what came up. She was like, okay, so what would happen? And then I was like, my parents will be upset. And then we kind of did this Mm. whole thing where um, she goes, well, ask your parents. And my parents were like, she goes to go to them. I don't remember exactly, but basically like go to your parents and say you have a million dollars. And they were like cheering me and excited for me and happy for me. And like, I think that subconscious belief was like, they wouldn't be okay with it. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we don't even know. So I really like hypnotherapy. Like I am like this woo woo stuff, but it's like, I really think that that can get to some really beliefs that I think we don't even understand. Yeah. I know working sometimes and maybe, you know, with you too, um, when you're talking with people about these, sometimes they don't always come up because they don't, they're not aware, mm-hmm. right? So do you do that with clients? Do you suggest it? Or how do you get, like, how do you get really deep with them? Yeah. I mean, I'm not a hypnotherapist, yeah. but I'm an energy healer. So I do Reiki. Mm. Um, I'll definitely refer people. I have a, an amazing hypnotherapist yeah, I yeah. love. I, I'm a huge believer in hypnotherapy. Yeah. Um, cause it, and it, because it's the really fast way to rewire your brain. Mm-hmm. You can do it yourself. It just takes longer. Yeah. Right? So it's a, it's a quick way to do it. But so I think, ener- I mean, I think energetically it helps a lot. Just intuitively I can tell what's going on right there. But but also a lot of just mind body awareness, like getting someone really present in their body and like talking about things. And it's like, how do you feel in your mm-hmm. sacral chakra right now? Like, 
how is that feeling in your solar plexus? And people like get a little uncomfortable. And I'm like, mm-hmm. and also like visualization is really powerful. Like, do you see that check or do you see your bank statement and you have this much money and people get a little uncomfortable, but like when you're really visualizing that, like that's a way to experience that money without actually having it or something super simple. Like when I was first working on my money relationship, I would go to the bank and just get like, pull out some money just in the smallest bills I could and like bathe myself in it. Like it was just all <laughs> over my apartment. It's it. like there's some hundreds, there's some twenties, there's some five, like it's just everywhere. It's just everywhere in my ecosystem. Right. So I'm like, getting more comfortable with like seeing physical money or even have you seen like the check from the universe? Yeah. yeah, I love the check from the universe. It's, it's the easiest thing ever, right? You just write yourself a check from the universe. And like, I always have people do this at the beginning and it says like from the universe. So, but people are like, it made me really nervous to write that number on that check. Like I'm uncomfortable with this check. I'm like, okay, like (laughs) let's get comfortable with the check, you know? But so I think energetically there's, there's a lot there to peel and it often goes back to just self-worth. Yeah. Right, underlying. Like they just feel undeserving. Yeah. They write a, a number on that check and they're like, they immediately think like, even as you're talking about it, I'm like, wow, what I, I don't think I would feel comfortable writing like a million dollar check. Mm-hmm. I, like I would like, obviously I want a million dollars, but it would be like, uh, what, what responsibility comes with that yeah. or what am I on the hook for? Yeah. You know? But it's helpful because it's like, okay, you have this money in your hand. So someone who has that money in their hand, how do they live? What do they do? What behaviors do they engage in? What do they not engage in? Like you have to live like that person, right? If you think you're going to bring in a million dollars and your finances are all screwed up, you have nothing, like where is it going to go? It's not going to come to you, right? So I think a lot of people need to take a step step back and be like, am I ready for that? Have I made the space in my life for it, right? And that also goes back to like the the money mindset with the parents, with the relationship. I find this really big with women. It's like, they don't even realize that they hold themselves back because they're nervous to make more money than their partner. Mm-hmm. Um, which in my, in my own dating life has been an issue. Yeah. Like I'm like guy after guy, I'm like, they, it makes them insecure. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and some people just keep themselves small or like, you know, it's listening like the parent thing as well. So I think those come into play too. What are some rich behaviors? Like, okay. Okay. Christina, I'm ready to be rich, I'm ready mm-hmm. to do things. I'm ready to like go in. I have an expertise, whatever. How do I need to, what do I need to stop doing and what do I need to start doing? Well, I think, (laughs) I think a lot of it is your, your verbiage. And whenever people say, I can't afford that, it makes me just want (laughs) to, I'm so annoyed. Mm -hmm. Like, don't say you can't, you can, Mm -hmm. you just don't want to buy it right now. Right. So I think a lot of it is in the verbiage or even outsourcing things. Like I can't outsource that. Like I can't, no, you can, like, it'll save you time. Right. So I think outsourcing often, um, your speech and again, who you're hanging out with and like your, your approach to when you buy something or you don't, I think are all really, really telling. Like I can just tell it's like in the little behaviors, your choices, like, are you coming from a scarcity mindset? And, and I think that's also a fear-based mindset too. Mm -hmm. And I think it plays out in your relationships, um, living, living choices, right. It's like all in the intention. Like, are you coming out of a place of fear or like, yeah, I can do that, but I don't want to. But I notice it most most in the language, I would say, and saying you can't afford that and like not, no, I can't do this right now because I have to budget. It's like, yes, but it's not that it's that you don't want to. 
I think that's the biggest one. Yep. I feel like there is a little bit of a slippery slope with uh, with that and not necessarily the language. I totally agree with that. I don't let anybody say I can't afford that. I remember mm-hmm. Jim Rohn. He was like, never say I can't afford it. Just say, you know, ask how can I? Mm-hmm. And then your mind starts working in a different way of like ways you can get creative. But, um, and I don't think you said this actually, but I've seen this in this this like coaching space and money mindset space of where, where coaches are almost pressuring, like they have a high investment, high ticket, like they're $10,000 to work with 15 and then they're like, you know, you have to let the universe know that you're ready. And I'm like, some of these people just aren't ready. Like they really are going to hurt their families mm-hmm. by they're putting this on credit card and they're, it's like this fake it before you make it. Like if you can't show that you're ready and then I'm sitting here going, you actually weren't ready. And I feel like they've been manipulated by the manifestation coaches out there. Yeah. So I feel like there's such a fine line and a responsibility that we have to talk about in money mindset and being like, there's a difference between scarcity and also being smart and yeah. being frugal with money. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think a rich person is smart with their money. Yeah. That doesn't mean yeah. you just throw money everywhere. Yes. Like you're smart with it. Right. And that's totally true. And I see that too. And I think it's interesting, but I also think that that comes back to, you're not a victim, be responsible. Like mm. I think the person who's charging 15 grand for business coaching should be attracting a different type of client than someone who's charging a grand, right? Yeah. Or even like a hundred, I saw someone with a hundred bucks like charging for business coaching. And I'm like, okay, but that's, and then I'm looking at the demographic and I'm like, okay, well this is different dem- demographic, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think that also comes back to like, you're not a victim, right? People need to be responsible too. But also I do think it's good to kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit, right? Because I, I mean, that lights a fire under your butt. Go out there and make some money, 100%. right? It's totally available to you. Yeah. And it's 100%. totally like in terms of, I, I'm a big, huge, obviously fan of this conversation and saying yes to things. And I think it depends on like what you're saying yes to too. Like, you know, if we're like running up the credit card because you want like a larger television, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, I feel like irresponsible, but if you're like, I'm doing this course, that's going to push me completely outside of my comfort zone. I'm so aligned with this coach. I Mm -hmm. know that they're going to, that they have the tools, they act the roadmap that I need. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think it's okay to spend 15 grand or whatever, but it's like, okay, is it the person and like how, and I feel like you probably will be a little bit scared, but you should be mostly excited. Yeah. Like, it's like a feeling like you, I talked about like a feeling in your body, like, you know, Mm -hmm. when like we did an episode recently on intuition. And I think sometimes intuition can become like an assumption. So it's like, how do you tell your client, okay, they know they're making the right decision by how it feels in their body. What are the two different ways that maybe they feel? So I do, I, are you guys interested in human design? I just learned about human design at a retreat in September. Yeah, yeah. I'm big in human design. So like, and this is when I'm coaching people, like I do like with the energetics, we go over how to use their human design, their Enneagram, astrology, like things I've studied that I just think are really helpful in making business decisions. So I usually talk to people about their authority in human design, which is essentially how do you make the most aligned decision? And for some people, it's their sacral authority. That's their physical body. Like, are you contracting or expanding? Are you getting energy or not? Do you have a kink in your neck? Um, For some people, it's solar plexus, emotional authority. So it's like you feel the highs and lows of an emotion. Emotionally, how do you feel, right? For other people, it's self-projected, which is just like, you're like, I don't know how I know it, but I know it, right? Or for some people, it's splenic, where it's like this gut instinct, this fight or flight, and that tells you a yes or no. Um, And so for a lot of people, it's getting out of your head, right? Mm -hmm. That's all conditioning. And like, depending on your human design, you know, what's your body telling you? Because I know for me, like I am a sacral authority, like my G center. So I need to pay attention to my body, but I tend to think to my, my brain or my emotions. And like, that's not going to lead me in the right direction. And it's really interesting for me when I'm faced with decisions, 
being aware, becoming aware, like taking a step back and thinking, okay, what's in my head? What's emotional? What's the gut instinct? And what is my physical body doing? And for me, it's like such an ongoing practice because I'm most out of touch with my physical body Mm -hmm. because of years of being so sick and like almost creating this, this layer to deal with physical pain. And so that's been the one that I'm the most out of touch with. And that ironically is the one that leads me towards my most aligned decision. So for me, I like to kind of explain to people, you know, get their chart up and see what their authority is and say like, this is how you make the decision. So like, I want you to feel into this right now, tune into that. And that will guide you in the, in the, in the right way. I really love that. I know. That's yeah. so good. Uh, and I can't remember. Now I want to look at my notes on what mine was. <laughs> we can look after. I'll like give you a little mini rating. Or something. Yeah. I love it. It's yeah. been life-changing for me. Yeah. And the first time I found out about human design, I looked at my chart. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. out. I'm out. It's too confusing. <laughs> and I just wrote it off because I was overwhelmed, to be honest. And then in the last year, I've gotten really into it. And it's just changed my life. And like made it so much easier for me to like manifest things in. And I just feel so aligned. And I think my physical health has improved because of that. I think it's all connected. So interesting. I just remember something about the invitation. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So you're, yeah. So you're probably a projector. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Wait, you're, um, you're meant to wait for the invitation. Yeah. Initiate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought it was interesting stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, there's so many things like that that I think are really interesting. I think knowing yourself and knowing how you do things, like whether whether it's Enneagram or mm-hmm. uh, uh, Myers Briggs, all of those things are mm-hmm. so helpful to know. Um, but ultimately, it's just like knowing yourself because yeah. you can read and go, "Well, that's not me," and it's like, "Cool, then what?" You know, figure figure that out. Yeah, yeah. I think it's human design and astrology. Like all of these are tools, Enneagram, to help people get to know themselves more because people are just so out of touch. People are well, so they, out of touch. And how they make de- most people make decisions is asking a hundred people their yeah. opinion. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to grow intuition. Don't ask anyone for advice <laughs> for two days, and that's yeah. hard for people. Yeah, yeah. like I'm, or just before you do that. <laughs> write down how many times a day you ask for advice. Everybody asks each other's opinions or we Google it. We don't ever ask ourselves. Google is the yeah. number one, right? Yeah. I could Google my entire life. True. <laughs> what should we do about the coronavirus? Oh, God. I don't even want to look that up. <laughs> There's too much. There's yeah. too many experts on the internet. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think this is such a useful tool, not even with business decisions, but even just relationship decisions, yeah. right? Like I mean, on The Best Life, we talk a lot about relationships and how like the question is always, should I stay or should I go? Mm-hmm. Like that ha- that comes up a lot with our listeners. You know, we have a lot of listeners who've been married for a long time. Things aren't great. And they're going, okay, well, like if the kids and like all these different considerations. So it sounds like this tool might be useful in other realms too. Oh, 100%. Not just I think it's helpful just in your, in your whole life, which is why I'm obsessed with it. And it's so, in, it's so individualized. And I mean, so many people, like if you get a reading done, you'll be like, oh my God, my whole life makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And I, I my life to make yeah, sense. Yeah. And I became aware of a lot of patterns that I, I knew subconsciously, but I didn't know how, how to articulate that have really impacted like with relationships for instance I have this thing that I didn't know how to verbalize until she explained this to me she goes you have this gate where essentially you feel like off the bat everyone's out to get you Mm. like my immediate assumption is that this person's gonna take me down they want to take me down Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize how that played out in so many aspects of my life and like having this guard up and it's interesting to me because it's super easy for me to be vulnerable as they say which whatever um (laughs) like on a public platform just publicly to anyone I talk to but like in relationships it's very hard for me I'm like I have this wall up because 
And I didn't realize until she was talking about that. I'm like, yeah, I do kind of have a subconscious thing where I just assume mm. someone who's trying to get close to me is out to get me. Mm-hmm. Um, and becoming aware of that was really illuminating because I'm thinking back of all these times where I might have had a conflict with someone. I'm like, that was me putting my wall up. Like, again, taking responsibility, mm. right? I think it's just really helpful to know our strengths and weaknesses. So you like lean into your strengths, right? But then be aware of your weaknesses so you can improve but also just like be aware of that and be like hey i tend to do this so much of the healing is just being like hey i tend to do this just so you know (laughs) (laughs) so i think it's been really helpful in a lot of areas of my life it's really cool god self-awareness is so important yeah and it's like 90 percent of it like the the action piece is like the last 10 percent, right the the, like 90 percent just like having the awareness of like oh i'm doing that thing that i've done well i think this is why this whole coronavirus is so it's uncomfortable for people like um, and I was talking about this yesterday where most people don't know how to deal with or digest fear. And right now there's so much fear and it's like, we feel this fear around coronavirus, right? But it's not just that it's everything coming up at once. Sure. And so it just all feels compounded and people like aren't, aren't aware of the fact that when they feel fear, anger, confusion, they suppress it. We think we deal with it. But we don't really. Right. And so then it all bubbles up at once and, and now everyone's freaking out. So yeah, I think it just it goes back to the self awareness thing. We're not we're not self aware, um, <laughs> and Pip, is Pip has her a new <laughs> no chill excited. today. Excited. <laughs> hey. But yeah, I think I think it's, it all plays into it, and I think this is a good opportunity for us to all sit with this fear, right, and become aware of like slowing down is hard for people. Yeah, super hard for people, and I think that all of this again we can look at the coronavirus and. You know, it's devastating for people, but like, why is this happening for us as a collective? We need to take a fucking step back and be like, what are we doing here to screw everything up? Right? Like we're self-sabotaging like on a collective level and (laughs) individually, right? Like this is a really beautiful opportunity for people to get comfortable with slowing down and like really face their emotions and sit with it because that's why so many people are uncomfortable at home. Because they're like, fuck, I got to deal with my husband. I got to deal with my yeah. life, my emotions, that I hate myself. Like, that's what people are thinking. But they don't want to. Instead, it's easier to be like, I'm scared of the coronavirus. Right. right. But that's what's going on, I feel like. It's huge. I, I like the thought. Or I don't like the thought. I just find it interesting about a collective self-sabotage. It's freaking the truth. I mean, even like small things. I was listening to um, Rogan had like an expert on last week and he was just like, you know, we have a shortage of these like face masks that we need at like hospitals need. And he's yeah. like, we have planes and aircrafts and everything sitting around for potential war, mm-hmm. like that are not being used, mm-hmm. but we haven't, we don't have enough like faith. Like this is just as, if not more mm-hmm. impactful than like going to war, mm-hmm. but we don't have those things stockpiled, but we have all these like arsenals and like we spent all this money on defense. That's all sitting there. And I was like, yeah. So even just like from a strategic tactical perspective, it's illuminating a lot of the ways we're not yeah ready for something like this because we just didn't think it could happen well and it's easy for it's easier for us to be in war and to blame someone than Mm. it is like right now it's all everyone in the world is affected like Mm. we're all Mm. facing this shit together and it's like you can't blame another country right now like it'd be easier to go send some planes and shoot people right like that would be easier um and so that's why it's so uncomfortable but it's like i think there's beauty in the fact that we're all in this together it's a shitty situation but like this is a really beautiful opportunity for us to self-reflect again individually and as a collective so i love staying home yeah i'm, like, I'm into I, it yeah, I <laughs> like, this it. isn't really changing it. my life that much i'm such a homebody so you have a podcast can you tell us a little bit about it 
Yeah, it's called Wellness Realness. I started it when I was in college, and it was called Actually Adultish, and it was all about college life. Oh my life. gosh, that's cute. Yeah, it was all about <laughs> college life. I started it, I roped two of my roommates into it with me, um, and it was just meant to be all about like college life, and then as I grew up a little bit and you know, graduated, I rebranded into Wellness Realness, and it's like, I mean, you guys talk about everything on your show, and I like... I like to think everything's related to wellness. So I like to talk about everything on the show too, but it's been an amazing, amazing way to connect with so many incredible people in the space and get to know people on a different level. And there's something about podcasting that, I mean, don't you love just sitting down with someone yeah. and like diving into yeah, their soul? I'm like, I'm going for the jugular right now. Right. <laughs> like I love that. I hate small talk. So it's been really fun and rewarding and interesting for me to see, you know, when I first got into this, you know, like being 20 and seeing all these people in health and wellness space and looking up to them and holding them on a pedestal. And then you get to, like, I was starting to get some of these people on my show and I'm like, they're just regular people. They're regular. Mm-hmm. They're yep. regular people. Mm-hmm. Right. They're so regular. And like, <laughs> they're like, they're regular. Yeah. extra regular, <laughs> extra. And, and they're like asking me for advice about things in their life. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and in some ways it was devastating because it's the, the illusion is shattered mm-hmm. right but at the and on the other hand i'm like wow That's so great it's amazing because like this is so available to me yes like you're nothing special i know i was um last week i put a poll up on instagram and it was like who is your earliest or biggest fitness influence and mine was like jane fonda mm-hmm. and some people put like some a couple of people put like some people who are just you know like regular like mm-hmm. instagram influencers and this one woman said someone's name and then she goes, and then I met her and put a face. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, not what you pictured. And she was like, let's just say I think she was having a bad day. <laughs> and I'm like, but you know what? It's a good reminder to all of us that these people are just human. Yep. That like they have flaws just like anyone else. And we're all the same. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. I People are always like, oh, you're so lucky you met this person or you know that. I'm like, they're just a regular person mm-hmm. and it wasn't that exciting. So just calm your tits like it's fine <laughs> yeah you know so but if you guys meet me I'm not so just amazing FYI. yeah I mean everybody who meets dannyj.com is <laughs> pretty impressed for life <laughs> yeah, right. you're pretty congruent across you, I, yeah I want to yeah I try to be normal on uh, online so people meet me in person they're like oh yeah she's exactly well that's what I think exactly is interesting that. I love to see who's the same and who's yes. slightly different and it really bothers me when people are different totally. I'm like, like, yeah I'm like who how, are you I don't even I couldn't even do that I don't think People are like, thanks for being so Sounds real. I'm exhausting. like, what did I even yeah. say that was real? <laughs> no, that's the truth. I, I think that was like, like to your point earlier on your podcast when I was meeting people that I like knew from mm-hmm. magazines or something and I met them in person and they were so vastly different. They looked different. Mm-hmm. Um, they acted way different. I was so disappointed and also just like, wow. And I am, I don't. I don't think it's refreshing, but maybe it's kind of refreshing when people are just exactly how they th- they are online and in person. I think more so I expect that or I hope for that. Yeah. But when they're different, I'm just like, are we still doing that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like we're still being like fake or different people online now. I noticed this, I, especially with guests who have more experience on radio, radio or television. Mm. It's like they turn it on. Soundbite. Like, yeah. I'm like, this isn't how this goes here. <laughs> yes. Like I have, I've had a couple guests and now I screen differently, right? <laughs> but I've had a couple guests who afterwards, like, you were, like, really asking some in-depth questions. And I'm just like, hey, this is how it goes yeah. if you're on a wellness podcast. Like, yeah. I'm not on the Today Show. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, you want I'm the real go- stuff. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about 
personal details right she's like well i'm just trying to you know like promote the book and i want to talk about food i'm like people don't give a shit about your recipes like i want to know about your eating disorder like i want to know about your daddy issues like that's what people want and that's what's gonna sell your book i'm trying to help you out yeah (laughs) totally you know we've had some people on who you could tell they've done a lot of media training everything was super sound bitey Mm -hmm. and we're like okay like i remember we're trying to dig into them and then they just like bring it back out like okay this isn't they come back to their agenda yeah Yeah, it's it's confusing yeah and i just makes you want to like wrap it up i'm like all right we're not getting i know or some people who are just so scripted like i always think of dave asprey i'm like every podcast he's on he says the same shit i'm like (laughs) can we say something else like i remember i'm really good friends with the guys from mind pump and like after they interviewed him they're like it was like we couldn't get him to go off script like he just returned to the script and like and there's a great they're great interviewers yeah so and like that's hard when it's this style of podcast and because some people have more radio style podcast but that's not how mine is or it's not how yours is so no for sure so real quick random i mean this isn't random but kind of on topic because i'm looking through your instagram while we're talking and you have a lot of pictures of your before and after yeah and you were super um thin you said already you lost a lot of weight underweight did you have like when you started getting healthier Mm -hmm. and gaining weight did you have body image issues around that like Cause I feel like some people get attached to that lower weight. And even if they were sick, they're still like attached to that. Oh my God. I've had body. Yeah. I've had body dysmorphia in every direction, yeah. which is why it was so confusing and why it took me so long to really understand how sick I was mm. because I look at pictures now from when I was really sick. And I remember looking in the mirror that day mm-hmm. and I did not see that. And that's why I was so confused because you know, I'm in LA. I had a job in fashion and a job in like health and wellness PR and here people I got asked to model people my bosses are asking me what I'm doing it looks so great my friends at school you look amazing what are you doing and then I have my mom being like are you anorexic like you look like you're gonna die right like and and people from home be like what's wrong with you like and part of me I'm like are they jealous or is there an issue (laughs) and I started I would ask people all the time my roommate specifically for, are you for jealous thing. of me no, no 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 no. i would ask her i'm like what do i look like and she's like yeah. what do you mean i'm like do i look anorexic because i literally don't see it in the mirror mm. and everybody's bringing this up and i'm getting i'm confused because i have these people telling me i look great and these people telling me i look like i'm gonna die and i did not see it and then i was going crazy because like and then i felt like no one was giving me a straight answer mm. um it, and I feel bad because I kind of put this pressure on my friends because I'm like, can you tell me what I look like? And they didn't want to say, right. you look like this. And I think some of them also, I mean, freaking college girls, like we have, everyone has yeah. body image issues, right? right? So, and you're that, constantly comparing, you're yeah. like, am I fatter? Am I thinner? Yeah. Am I better shape? Am I not? Exactly. And so when I was first losing weight, I'm like feeling good about myself. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know I had weight to lose. And suddenly I'm getting more attention. I actually feel better. And So I started to feel good, but then I started, I just hated how I looked because of the negative attention it brought me. I mean, I have people throw food at me on the streets and like, I felt like I was a zoo animal. I would, if I would go out to a restaurant, people would order food and send it to my table and people would like scream awful things at me. And I felt like I didn't want to go out in public and I could just see the way people looked at me, like broke me. And I'm like, I I don't want to go out in public because I don't want people to look at me like that. Wow. Like they just looked at me like I'm dying. Like what's wrong with her? She's sick. And I think this is why, you know, I'm so passionate about like raising awareness about eating disorders because I think people treat people who have eating disorders like they're just zoo animals and like there's yeah. something wrong with them. And I know what it feels like to be looked like that. And it's, 
fucking sucks, you know? Well, especially yeah. when it wasn't something that you could really control yeah. either, you know? Yeah. you wanted, Did you want to just, like, yell at people, like, I'm actually sick? Like, this yeah. is not on yeah, purpose? Yeah, I did. I did. And it just got to a point where, like, no one believed me. Yeah. I There was this one day. I went to the cut my hand open because I was cutting an avocado and I had to go to the <laughs> emergency room and my roommate took me and the doctor was like do you have any health issues and she's looking at me in that way and mm. I just wanted to get out of there I had been waiting for eight hours and I was like felt like I was dying and I told her I was like I have anorexia and my roommate's like why did you say that because she watches me like down like right. drink jars of nut butter every day and and I was like, because it would literally be faster because she'll understand what my blood work looks like. And right. it'll just be faster than if I tried Tell to explain what's, what's even going on. And you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't even, I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> look at me that way. Right. And it got her to leave. And then I got my hand stitched up and I got to go home. But it was just little things like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I had severe body dysmorphia in that direction. And then it's like, okay, I have this really strong desire to gain the weight back. I want to get healthy. And I mean, the moment that... The moment I had a nutritionist who just sat me down, this is what changed everything. She looked at me and she was like, she put her hand on my knee and she was like going to cry. And she's like, you understand, sweetie, that like your organs could shut down. You could die any day. And when she said that, I was like, oh, hmm. holy shit, am I going to die because I want to be skinny? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I wasn't taking it as seriously right. like as I needed to. I was still working out. I was still working out. I had severe exercise addiction. And like that just like kicked me in the gut and... After that, I'm like, uh, okay, over this. I don't even care what I look like anymore. So then just, you know, gain weight to get healthy. So um, through that process, like putting on weight, I definitely, I would look in the mirror. And because compared to how I was before, I was like, oh my God, I'm getting chubby. Oh my God. And look back, I'm like, I was still so thin. Mm -hmm. And so the whole time, definitely had body dysmorphia. But it's just about, it's just like always been this constant practice of like, I just need to be healthy. Like yeah. I just need to be healthy and really focus on that. And I think for, I mean, a lot of my clients in the past, that's, that's the big thing that gets in their, in their way, yeah. right? Like they don't, they don't want to do what they have to do because they're afraid they're going to gain yeah. weight. Yeah. And I'm like, look, you can stay here because you want to gain weight, but your health is going to stay the same. So it's like, you have to decide, yeah. you have to decide. And the truth is when you actually get healthy, your weight will balance out to where it needs to be. Right. But some people just aren't ready to take that step and it's just not until you not until you can really put your ego aside and be like I'm going to focus on health that it's going to turn out but it's a lot of like people always ask me like how did you deal with putting on weight and Mm -hmm. I'm like I just put my head down and went forward you know we actually talk a lot we um have talked about body obsession because both Danny and I were figure competitors for a long time and so we kind of come from that space of like extreme dieting Mm -hmm. and I did a lot of rebounding and Danny was in full-blown adrenal fatigue so you know a lot of people come to us and they're like is there any way to like uh, repair my relationship with food without gaining weight and I'm like I don't think that there is like it's just because the goal can't be yeah to lose weight all the mm-hmm. time. That can't be like the forever goal. It's like, do you care about your relationship with food or mm-hmm. do you care about like, I need to stay? Like, are you holding on so tightly? Cause we know, especially in Danny's case, like she was doing all the things that were helping her stay as lean as she was. And then those stopped working. Mm-hmm. So you can even hold on to those control mechanisms as strongly as you want. And then your body will just tap out. Yeah. Like, I see that a lot because a lot of people who have like a history physiologically, like to me or like you guys, it's like, these women come and no matter what they do, they're not going to lose weight, yeah. you know, like, and I know my body's in the same way, which, which is part of why I'm just like, 
whatever i just gotta get healthy like i could eat 1200 calories the next six months my weight isn't gonna change or i can eat 4000 and it's not gonna change right like it's just where it's at (laughs) yeah and i've literally tested that like i've literally tested that so and that's really hard for people to swallow but i'm like this is the universe being like sit with this yep like you have to learn to accept yourself whatever size you're at you know and it's again this whole you know body love thing it's not it's literally accepting yourself and it's like I to get through that healing process for me I had to really detach my soul from my body and just really realize like my body's a vessel like my body's just a vessel and like I had to dive so deep into myself and like figure out what I was afraid of within myself and what I loved about myself and realize it's so it has to be so separate from my body because if my self-worth is derived from anything outside of me or the like the physical way I look I'm always going to be unhappy right so I mean it's a lot of deep work it is it (laughs) It is is. and you do have to be ready to both of your points you have to be ready whether it's a money thing or a relationship thing Mm -hmm. or a health thing do you have any books that you recommend for people to get started on like self-reflection oh that you really love books books tools maybe other podcasts yeah I really well, spirituality for me really helped. Like Abraham Hicks. Mm, like mm-hmm. I love Abraham Hicks, Louise Hayes, Brene Brown. Um, those women are really incredible, I would say. Gabby Bernstein. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of her books. Um, even just like Jen Sincero. Great. Yeah. Or like Mark Manson. Like yeah. <laughs> not giving a fuck, right? <laughs> um, but I think, I really think what's the most helpful is working with somebody like I, if I would be dead without my therapist, mm-hmm. like my therapist, hypnotherapist, spiritual healers. Like I was seeing just so many different people who were supporting me. My nutritionist at the time was like another therapist. And I think so much of it, like having that individual attention and really getting to the root of your issues and having somebody to self-reflect back. Um, my friend, Rachel Barber, uh, she, teaches people to rewire their brains. She focuses on healing chronic illness through your brain. Mm. Like, and it's amazing. It's people who have tried every, everything in the world. Um, and with her process, you can literally like rewire your brain and like get rid of your sickness. And I think doing something like that, I'm like DNRS is really popular, but I think Rachel programs is the best. And I did her program a while back and it totally changed my life. Just the way I saw the world and, that was a big leap for me in terms of realizing all the ways that victim mindset was showing up in my own life mm-hmm. and like really feeling sorry for myself with like being sick and stuff like traumas that have happened in the past where it's like it happened and like feel sad, feel anxious, like let yourself feel it. And then how do I, how do I move forward from here and like empower myself from that? So um, I think looking into brain rewiring and I think getting individualized attention honestly, is going to be more powerful than a book. What's the best way, and this kind of follow-up question, what's the best way to find that person? I think sometimes we go, well, I don't really know that person can help me. Or, mm-hmm. you know, who's really the best person to hire? Do I hire a business coach? Do I, hire a ther- do I go to a therapist? Like, how do you, do you recommend finding someone? Well, I think it comes down to, I think the most important part about working with somebody is if you vibe with them. I don't think they have to be the smartest person in the room. I don't think they have to be the smartest person in the world. You just have to be like, I connect with you and I trust you, right? And I think right now, social media, like so many people have their 
their portfolios right out there right so like literally like study people look up listen to them on podcasts so like whenever i've worked with a practitioner i'm listening to them on podcasts i'm seeing what they're posting i'm trying to get to know like what their energy is like and if i vibe with it or not and for a lot of people uh, like you can do so much without even talking to someone to understand their vibe and what what relates to you and it's like this comes back to the business it's like it's so saturated i don't care like not everybody is gonna want not everybody is going to resonate with the way I convey information. Like maybe someone likes the way you convey it. Some, maybe someone likes the way I convey it. Maybe some, someone likes you, the way you say it. Right. And so there's space for everybody. And it's the opposite with, you know, finding a practitioner. It's like, who do you resonate with? I think that's mm-hmm. the most important because I know in my, in my journey, I got the, the most benefits from working with people who weren't necessarily like the smartest person in their field or who I thought was the top expert. A lot of those people actually, spent so little time actually diving deep with me Mm. that I wasn't getting the results right it's more of like who do I vibe with it's like again that gut instinct where I think human design is really helpful like to figure out how is my intuition coming through right um and I think so I think honestly just like researching people and listening to them talk and trying to pick up on their energy um and it's interesting because you know business coach therapist nutritionist a lot of them do the same work essentially it's all mostly mindset right so it's like what what's gonna vibe most with you I think and I think for me it's been different people at different times like for a while nutritionist then therapist then spiritual mentorship for a long time then business coach and so it showed up in different ways but I see it's it was kind of the same thing the whole time (laughs) (laughs) love it I love that super good awesome well where can people connect with you what's the best way to get all your information and check out your portfolio yeah so my podcast is wellness realness on all podcast platforms and christina com is my website and then you can find me on instagram at christina rice wellness amazing easy peasy thank you so much for coming and sharing this was so great and i'm sure that the girls will be reaching out and tagging you and dming you and all the things so as we do thank you so much so much fun thank you yeah bye guys bye guys we'll see you next time